Well, welcome back once again to the Counter Vortex with your ranter, Bill Weinberg, ranting at you in the wee hours of December 2nd, 2022. As always, from my apartment on Manhattan's Lower East Side. And uh, we're going to rant tonight about the relentless Nazi calumny against Ukraine. This relentless portrayal, for instance, of the pro-democracy popular uprising of 2014, the Maidan Revolution, as a Nazi coup, and especially this obsession with the Azov Battalion, one regiment of the Ukrainian National Guard, which initially, upon its founding way back in 2014, embraced far-right politics. And uh, if you got your information, or your disinformation, as the case may be, entirely from sources like Gray Zone and the Answer Coalition and Medea Benjamin and The Nation magazine, you would think that Russia was the democracy defending itself against fascist aggression and Ukraine the dictatorship with an expansionist agenda instead of as is the case for those of us who live in the real world, precisely the other way round. Did you happen to catch this one? Here, I blogged this up on the Counter Vortex website a couple of days ago. Propaganda exploitation of Italy neo-Nazi bust. Italy's Division of General Investigation and Special Operations, DIGOS, on November 15th announced that it had broken up the Naples-based cell of an armed neo-Nazi network called the Order of Hagal, arresting five suspected militants. The five are being held on terrorist association and other charges. Raids were also carried out in several other cities across the country, including Milan, Turin, Palermo, Ragusa, Verona, Salerno, Potenza, Cosenza, and Crotone, turning up a large cache of fascist regalia. In addition to the predictable swastika flags and portraits of Mussolini, were a banner or t-shirt with the insignia of Ukraine's Azov Battalion, and a copy of Valhalla Express, the memoir of an Azov fighter calling himself Callsign Woland. Sky News also reports, One of the members of the order is a fugitive in Ukraine, where he had contact with the Azov Battalion engaging in the war. The fugitive is identified as Anton Radomsky, and is said to be among those who had discussed a terror attack on a Naples shopping mall. This is avidly jumped on by Putin propagandist Max Blumenthal's Gray Zone, under the headline, Blowback, Italian Police Bust Azov-Tied Nazi Cell Planning Terror Attacks. The teaser reads, 
Quote, the arrest of Italian neo-Nazis affiliated with the Ukrainian Azov Battalion highlights the terrifying potential for blowback from the Ukraine proxy war. End quote. The writer, Alex Rubenstein, a veteran of direct Kremlin propaganda mouthpiece RT, of course fails to mention <laughs> that in the press photos where the regalia is displayed, the Azov Battalion ensign appears directly below that of the European Solidarity Front for Syria. This is a pro-Assad formation, and its logo includes an image of the flag of the dictatorship, which is rejected by Syria's opposition movement, which flies the flag of the original independent Syrian republic before it was altered by the Assad dictatorship after it took power. Italy's anti-fascist Patria Independente writes that the European Solidarity Front for Syria, ESFS, is a project of the Italian far-right movement Casa Pound. This is hilariously ironic and reveals the deep cynicism of Blumenthal and his collaborator Rubenstein, as they are, of course, avid Assad propagandists. Blumenthal, of course, I'm just adding parenthetically here, is an aggressive purveyor of all of the baseless false flag theorizing about Assad's chemical attacks. Every time there's a chemical attack, he immediately jumps on social media to baselessly theorize that the rebels did it to themselves as a provocation. Every time. I'll have more to say about Rubenstein's propaganda service to the Assad dictatorship later. But uh, we have noted before the support on the radical right in Europe and America for the Assad dictatorship, that some of these sinister freaks are also rallying around the Azov Battalion, which happens to find itself on the opposite side of the current geopolitical divide from Bashar Assad, shouldn't be too surprising. There are far-right ultranationalists fighting on both sides in Ukraine, as we have noted again and again. The difference is that in Ukraine, they operate in the shadows, and the government has taken some measures to rein them in. Whereas in Russia, far-right ultranationalism holds power at the very highest level, in the Kremlin, in the personal dictatorship of Vladimir Putin. Okay, a few ironies to note here. <laughs> First, Grayzone didn't even bother to crop the photo so as to completely cut out the ESFS banner, or maybe they didn't notice it, or maybe poor Rubenstein didn't even know what the ESFS is. But Rubenstein has been as much of an active shill for Assad as for Putin. Now, I confess with some chagrin, not chagrin for me personally, but for the state of the American left, 
that this Alex Rubenstein is a veteran of the New York City activist scene. And I actually knew him back in the day. Not well, but I would see him around at Occupy Wall Street and the annual Anarchist Book Fair and such. And I first became aware that he had gone over to the enemy in March 2017 when I saw his byline on RT, the direct organ of Kremlin state propaganda, where he wrote up a puff piece on the so-called anti-war protesters, quote, unquote, who disrupted a pop-up orchestral and choral performance of Beethoven's Ode to Joy in Manhattan's Grand Central Station that had been called to support Syria's White Helmets Volunteer Rescue Group and to promote the new documentary film about them. The protesters obnoxiously mixed themselves up with the orchestra while holding their nonsensical signs reading, White Helmets are U.S. propaganda, no U.S. bases in Syria, and this is U.S. war agenda, quote-unquote. Amazingly, Rubenstein's RT account put the word humanitarian in scare quotes before white helmets, as if rescuing trapped civilians from bombed-out buildings were not humanitarian. But there are, of course, no quotes around the phrase anti-war protesters, despite the fact that these sinister clowns, apparently from a group calling itself Hands Off Syria, are objectively pro-war and evidently oppose any aid to the victims of Russian and Assad regime airstrikes. I could also point out the uh, hilarious irony of the name Hands Off Syria, as they obviously support the massive Russian foreign intervention in Syria, and the further hilarious irony that these anti-war activists, quote-unquote, were on the same side as Donald Trump, whose Homeland Security Department barred the Syrian cinematographer who worked on the documentary, Khaled Khatib, from entering the country to attend the Oscars that year, 2017. Again, nothing is more sickening than pro-war anti-war jive. And this latest piece from Rubenstein in Gray Zone is also fascist pseudo-anti-fascism because it is Assad's fascist regime in Syria much more than Zelensky's beleaguered democracy in Ukraine that is a rallying point for radical right forces around the world here. I blogged this up on August 14th, 2017, after the horrific events at the so-called Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia. Assad's radical right admirers in Charlottesville. A curious link to Syria was in evidence at the white supremacist rallies in Charlottesville, Virginia in which one person was killed and at least 34 wounded over the weekend.
and admiration among some of the marchers for dictator Bashar Assad. James Fields, detained after his car rammed counter-protesters, killing a 32-year-old woman and injuring 19 people, featured Assad on his Facebook page. Other marchers shouted, Assad did nothing wrong, and wore t-shirts openly celebrating the regime barrel bombs that have killed thousands of Syrians. I should just interject that barrel bombs are these um, crude but deadly kind of like improvised bombs that the regime has been dropping on civilian populations since the beginning of the war. Basically big metal drums filled with flammable liquid that explode napalm style upon hitting their targets. Here, listen to this uh, audio that was tweeted by one of these alt-right yahoos after the Charlottesville rally featuring uh, video from the scene with um, Baked Alaska and his friends. Baked Alaska being one of these uh, key figures in the so-called alt-right. Here, listen to this. Can I show you a shirt on the street? Of course. Hey, hey helicopter rides, baby. Support the Syrian Arab army. Hell yeah. Fucking fight against the globalists. Assad did nothing wrong, right? Assad did nothing Assad's wrong. Assad's the man, replacing brother. Replacing Gaddafi was a Assad's fucking mistake. That's true, that's true. You're absolutely right. And, and what are we going to do with those commies? I think they're going to go and... Oh, no, we're dropping barrel bombs on those <laughs> oh, motherfuckers. Oh, barrel bombs, hell yeah. Hey, what, what happened to your two chemical, two chemical bombs would have solved this whole ISIS problem. That's true. That's none of my business. Yay! Well, I got to say, these guys are less hypocritical than, uh, you know, Max Blumenthal and the, and the Grey Zone crew. <laughs> At least they acknowledge that Assad is behind the chemical attacks and openly celebrate it. Among the leading promoters of um, Assad in this milieu is uh, David Duke, the former Grand Wizard of the KKK, who was a vocal presence in Charlottesville. Last October, meaning uh, October 2016, after visiting Syria, he released a barrage of tweets openly supporting and glorifying Bashar Assad. E.g., quote, Is Assad really a bad guy, or does he do bad things to defeat the lunatics our taxes fund? End quote. And civilized world stands with Assad, quote, unquote, verbatim from the Twitter account of David Duke. And from Baked Alaska, I'll just repeat that charming line in case you missed it in the audio, quote, Assad's the man, brother. Two chemical bombs would have solved this whole ISIS business, end quote. Now, uh, neo-Nazi support for Bashar Assad makes perfect sense. This is from December 2014. Nazi fugitive trained Syrian torturers report. The Simon Weisenthal Center, International Nazi Hunters, says it as evidence that Alwa Brunner, the world's most wanted Nazi fugitive, died a free man in Syria four years ago which would have been 2010, protected by the regime. Brunner, 
right-hand man to Adolf Eichmann, was responsible for the deportation of over 120,000 Jews to death camps. The Wasenfall Center said that Brunner lived in Damascus for decades under the pseudonym George Fisher. The Syrian government under Hafez Assad refused repeated requests to extradite him. The Wasenthal Center found that Brunner worked as a security advisor to Rifat al-Assad, Hafez Assad's brother and uncle of the ruling Bashar Assad. In this capacity, he schooled the Syrian regime in interrogation and torture techniques. Brunner was condemned to death in absentia after being found guilty in France of crimes against humanity in 1954. In his last known interview in 1987, he told the Chicago Sun-Times that his Jewish victims, quote, deserved to die because they were the devil's agents and human garbage, unquote. Rhetoric mirrored, I will add, practically verbatim in what the Russian state media is now saying about the Ukrainians. Brunner said he had no regrets and would do it again, quote, unquote. Okay, some other related news clips. On February 14th, 2018, an in-depth report on Al Jazeera entitled, Why Do Italian Fascists Adore Syria's Bashar al-Assad? Identified Italy's far-right Forza Nuova and Casa Pound, the Greek neo-fascist Golden Dawn, the UK's British National Party, and Poland's ultranationalist National Rebirth, as constituting an international front rallying on behalf of Bashar Assad. Casa Pound, which has led far-right demonstrations against refugees and migrants and mixed it up in the streets with anti-fascists, has also launched a European Solidarity Front for Syria, ESFS, in support of the Assad regime. Its members have joined delegations to Damascus to meet with regime officials. Sana, the regime's official news agency, has publicized the ESFS delegation visits. On September 20th, 2018, the Syrian Observer pro-opposition news website reported that Sheikh Ahmed Hassoun, the regime-domesticated Grand Mufti of Damascus, has been schmoozing with members of far-right political parties in Europe and was even shown in a commemorative photo taken at one such meeting with leaders of the xenophobic Alternative for Sweden party. And finally, going back to um, September 2013, Greek fascists fight for Assad in Syria. The Greek left-wing blog, Glycosimoritis, provided an... uh, English translation of the boasts in a far-right daily with the perverse name of Democratia that a 
National Socialist Organization, quote-unquote, calling itself Black Lily, had dispatched a brigade to Syria to fight for Assad's regime. Black Lily came to the public eye with their recent fizzy drink attack on Greek government minister Evangelos Venizelos in Paris. But the group spokesman, Stavros Libovisis, told Demokratia that volunteers were now, quote, fighting alongside our Syrian brothers in arms to help them defend the soil of a friendly nation's people, showing our solidarity in practice against an age-old foe, end quote. This foe is identified in terms that will warm the hearts of many on the <clears throat> left. Quote, the global dictatorship of the American Zionist war machine and the bloodthirsty imperialists that want to turn the country into a capitalist brothel and a market for the likes of McDonald's and Starbucks, end quote. Next comes the predictable appeal to Syria's besieged Christians, quote, Syrian Orthodox are fighting in the front line for a free nationalist Syria, and they are distinguished for their bravery in counterattacking the intoxicated addicts of the mercenary Salafists of Al-Qaeda, end quote. And finally, the appeal to an ancient kinship with the Syrians, because their country was, 2,000 years ago, part of Magna Grecia, or Greater Greece. So there we go, quite a litany of far-right support for Bashar Assad on both sides of the Atlantic. And meanwhile, what is the Euro-American far-right saying about Ukraine? Well, we noted before that the so-called anti-war mouthpiece, Medea Benjamin, ostensibly a leftist, actually favorably cited Marjorie Taylor Greene in a retweet calling for a cutoff of U.S. military aid to Ukraine. This from July 2nd. <clears throat> Medea Benjamin, what does it say about progressive Democrats in Congress when the best person on Ukraine is Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. And then the original tweet from MTG. Ukraine is the MIC's new Iraq, meaning military-industrial complex, wrapped up in a pretty little NATO bow with a nuclear present inside. Wow, that's pretty smarmy. Okay, this from uh, just a couple of weeks ago, November 17th. House Republicans call for audit on funding to aid Ukraine. Representatives Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican Georgia, and Matt Gates, Republican Florida, and other House Republicans held a press conference to discuss the funding to aid Ukraine against Russia's continuing invasion. Representative Greene talked about her plans to introduce a resolution to Congress calling for an audit of funding for Ukraine. Not quite sure on what basis there's a perceived need for an audit. The Ukrainians have quite manifestly been making very effective use of the military aid. Oh, and uh, this openly fascist, unabashedly white nationalist and anti-democracy Nick Fuentes, who is in the news now because he just dined with Donald Trump and Kanye West at Mar-a-Lago, 
Well, here's a little news story about him from Politico, February 28th, two days after Putin launched the invasion of Ukraine. Green and Gosar increasingly isolated in Hill GOP after speaking at white nationalist event. Yeah, not nearly isolated enough. The House and Senate Republican leaders spoke out after two conservatives attended a weekend conference organized by a far-right pro-Russia fringe figure. Once again, not nearly fringe enough. Representatives Paul Gosar and Marjorie Taylor Greene are on an island among their fellow GOP lawmakers after appearing with a white nationalist group over the weekend. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, and a host of other Republican leaders are condemning party members who engage with white nationalist groups days after Gosar, Republican Arizona, and Green, Republican Georgia, spoke at the extremist-backed America First Political Action Conference. When asked if he has plans to take action against Gosar and Green, McCarthy said he would <clears throat> have a discussion with the duo. McCarthy described the far-right fringe organizer Nick Fuentes' language as appalling and said, quote, the language that he uses about anti-Semitism and the chanting for Putin is unacceptable, end quote. McCarthy also told CNN that Green should have left the stage after Fuentes introduced her over the weekend after urging the crowd to give a, quote, round of applause for Russia, end quote. During the weekend conference, as Russian President Vladimir Putin's army attacked Ukraine, a chant of Putin was heard in the crowd after Fuentes made his request for support of Moscow. Okay, I mean, it is Putin, not Zelensky, who is the godfather of the radical right in Europe and America and around the world. And yeah, there are some real open neo-Nazi types who have gravitated to the Azov Battalion, at least before their original far-right leadership, was purged when they became a formal regiment of the Ukrainian National Guard way back in 2014, shortly after their founding, which the likes of Alex Rubenstein will never mention. And they'll also never mention that there are plenty of neo-fascist types that have also joined the various far-right paramilitary groups fighting on the Russian side in Ukraine and have for years been backing the Donbass separatists. These include the Sparta Battalion, the Imperial Legion, the Russian Imperial Movement, Rusik, the Night Wolves, the Wagner Group, the Griffin Cossacks, etc. And we've pointed out before, the Twitter video footage, which I posted to my own account on April 4th, of Denis Pusheline head of the Donetsk People's Republic, giving an award to one of his thugs who was wearing two Nazi insignia on the sleeve of his military fatigues, a Valknot and an SS Totenkopf, 
or death's head. So all of this hyperventilation about Nazis on the Ukrainian side by people who are utterly blind to the Nazis on the Russian side can be readily dismissed as hypocritical propaganda of the worst kind. And the people who have the moral legitimacy to oppose the Ukrainian fascists are the Ukrainian anti-fascists, the Ukrainian socialists and anarchists who have long opposed the Ukrainian far right and are now on the front lines in Kherson and Kharkiv fighting the Russian aggressors, either as members of the Ukrainian National Guard or in their own self-organized anti-fascist militias. And Grey Zone and Alex Rubinstein and Max Blumenthal have totally betrayed them and have no moral legitimacy whatsoever. They are hack propagandists and charlatans. Don't get taken in. All right, hat tip to uh, Bob from Broccoli. Not Broccoli the vegetable, but um, Broccoli the English municipality, B-R-O-C-K-L-E, who tweets from the United Kingdom and brought this little propaganda game to our attention. Good job, Bob. You should all follow him on Twitter, at Bob from Broccoli. And uh, you should also follow me on Twitter, at BillyDub420. You can also find me on Mastodon. And uh, stay tuned for more angry but very didactic ranting from yours truly on The Counter Vortex. This has been Bill Weinberg with The Counter Vortex. Check us out online at countervortex.org, where everything I've been ranting tonight is all blogged up, hyperlinked, and documented. Please support us on Patreon. We need your support to keep going. Patreon.com slash countervortex. Even a buck or two a week makes a big difference. Join the Counter Vortex. Join the resistance. And rant on you next time.